Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or SleepNumber.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From 
From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this is one of our deep dive shows. We are going to dive deep into a great, juicy Star Wars topic. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Absock, and this is Force Center Scene by Scene today, Palpatine's Box of Manipulation. Oh, it's... <laughs> Is an episode I think Joseph we've been waiting to do for five years. We didn't even dream about doing this episode. We were doing Force Center scene by scene, which is voted by our Patreon supporters. We had the Dooku scene, uh, the Ray scene. We talk about that, but uh, we didn't. We didn't even dream about doing this episode, but we've always wanted to, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just such a beloved uh, scene, and I'm so glad that uh, that uh, some of our listeners voted for us to talk about it because you know this is one of those parts of Star Wars that. Uh, I would be happy to just walk up to a stranger and start discussing it with them and see if they even know what I'm talking about because I love talking about this one. I think it's it's one of the most unique and important scenes in Star Wars, so I'm excited to dig in, uh, which we are going to do. But first, we want to uh, remind you that you can, of course, get a audiobook on Force Center. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. We are recommending Thrawn Ascendancy colon Chaos Rising by Timothy Zahn. We will be tackling that, a discussion of that book in the next couple of weeks. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Center for your free audio book ken this is such a rich and complex and exciting scene so we are going to have plenty to talk about so we're going to dive in if you're interested in this kind of scene by scene exploration this is our third episode we've done like this we discussed uh, ray's journey into the mirror cave in the last jedi we uh discussed uh when obi-wan met dooku that uh not meet cute meet ambivalent uh that happened in attack of the clones and now we are going to palpatine's box of manipulation which i love the way you said that and followed up with some of the uh great music from that scene Mm. it made me uh, feel like uh you were advertising a really mysterious candy (laughs) that i wanted (laughs) (laughs) manipulation all the nougat in the world (laughs) nougat yes absolutely uh so let's start at the beginning Ken, why do you think this is such a fan favorite scene? Because <laughs> it's so cool. Um, yeah, and done, and done. I, I can only come uh, tackle this question, uh, you know, from my own experiences and our generation's experiences, right? Which are we're original trilogy kids and child uh, children of the eighties, born in other decades, but uh, come of age and our toys uh, fell into our hands mostly in the eighties. And we just kind of grew up with this, this, you know, emperor and Vader and all those kind of big questions. And I think for me, when you finally saw, no matter what you thought about episode one, what you thought about episode two, the trailer comes out and the big kind of hook moment of this scene, the, how do you learn this power? Not from a Jedi. We're going to dive into that. You bet, but it's in the trailer. And I think collectively there was a big, Ooh, we're going to get it. Um, I just think the kind of, Start the, the 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 legacy and lore, the mythic nature of this scene starts there, the trailer. And then the scene comes out, and I think it delivers, no matter where you th- might have thought what where that was going to be in the movie or what's going to happen right after. The scene shows up about the 45-minute mark in the film, and it delivers. And so it just continues to grow, and that way it's going to find a new audience. It, and it's deep. It's ominous. I love that you talked about the unique nature of the scene, 
the music, all those kind of things we're going to dive into. I think it just, it just offers so much and it offers a lot to think about revelations. What does he mean? Is that truly what, you know, Palpatine and the midichlorians and all those kind of big questions and also the deep themes, but also just, uh, I don't know, just it, it raises sometimes more questions than answers. And I think that's intriguing to to fans. And uh, then we know J.J. Abrams loved the scene. So it hit and connected with a lot of people. Yeah, no, I think a great breakdown. And I think, yeah, being honest about our perspective and seeing that in the trailer. I remember talking to so many friends uh, who are Star Wars fans of our same uh, age at the time who, you know, didn't like Phantom Menace, didn't like Attack the Clones um, and uh, were very vocal about it. But then they saw the trailer for... Uh, Revenge of the Sith in that moment, like, oh, not from a Jedi. Can you know, didn't know what the power was in the trailer, right? Is it possible to learn this power? Not from a Jedi. Uh, it, that was like, okay, no, no, I gotta see this. So, you know, that pull of it was amazing. Uh, the real truth of the relationship between, you know, the man who will be the Emperor and the man who will be Vader, it seemed like it was uh, promising. And then when you get to see it, I think it's kind of, it's unique. The actual dialogue portion of this scene is four minutes long. It is a rich dialogue scene and i think uh lucas uh, i go on a lot about how much of star wars is the uh deep themes but it also is the the sincere enjoyment of action adventure cliffhanger pulp serial and there's so many scenes in the prequels in particular where lucas is like yeah i don't care the uh the pod race scene is going to be as long as i want because it's exciting <laughs> mm -hmm. you know and i want it and for the for it to slow down for this slow simmering incredibly uh well acted i think by both mcdermott uh and hayden christensen this slow manipulation seduction it just really knocked you out of your seat uh particularly if you're the kind of person who thinks that you know some of the acting in the prequels is great and others is a little stiffer you know offbeat or doesn't quite work that this is a scene that i think uh really is just like wow this is so rich in both the content and the acting and i totally agree with you as well it, it's always going to be fascinating to people because how much of what palpatine said is true how much of the great this great canon are we getting how much of this is this a big revelation about truths of star wars uh is also at work here mm. um mm. I think the other big thing for me is, you know, uh, when I was growing up in high school, uh, the the English class that I was in uh, decided to focus all on tragedies, uh, which made high school really fun. You know, when you're already in a good mood and then the only thing you're reading in your junior and senior and years and it started in sophomore, all tragedies. Um, there's a lot in Revenge of the Sith that leans into the fact that this is a tragedy in a sort of very classic literature way. And that we know the inevitable outcomes. What we're watching is when are the moments where the the protagonist, the hero who is going to fall, who is going to fail, when are the moments where he could have turned back? And mm -hmm. one of the things that is fascinating about this is like uh, when you study, you know, Shakespeare and like Macbeth in particular that that Revenge of the Sith has direct relationships to because, you know, Macbeth is told things by the witches. Anakin sees this uh, prophecy of the future. And then there's that question of, do, does both Macbeth and Anakin make that thing happen? Uh, or is it going to happen anyway? And there's all these questions that already kind of center it around uh, tragedy, and in particular Shakespearean tragedy. And I was really uh, taught that it, it's this great, uh, one, one, why we come back to those tragedies is it's a discussion of when is the moment of no turning back? And mm. 
I have opinions about that, but I think this scene is a possible point uh, up for debate. Is this a moment of no turning back for Anakin? Is it, is this where Anakin truly fell? You know? Ooh, yeah. We're not ready to dive in yet, but yes, because <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a lot of Anakin trying to stay up on the log, but it's spinning, <laughs> you know, I think, right. moments. but, but when does, yeah. When, when do you sin when you do it or it hits your heart and you plan on doing, I don't know. Bigger questions. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm not saying I think necessarily this is the moment that he right. falls, yeah. but I think that it is up for fun debate. And that is one of the power of the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, we already both touched on this a little bit, uh, but I haven't actually asked you, did you always like this scene? Did you love it uh, back in 2005 in the Cinerama Dome where I know you saw this film? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The first, the first viewing, was uh, I was Arclight as well. The first video I had a bunch of friends around. Um, I came turn turn out uh, talking about this scene. Yeah, no, this was always this is always the scene because Sith is always the movie that everyone goes. Yeah, I, I didn't like the prequels, but you know, Revenge of Sith is okay. I didn't like the prequels, but that scene was cool, right? That this is that's the caveat you got for every discussion about this scene from two thousand five to maybe two thousand fifteen. Which, gosh, that doesn't seem like a long time, but it's a lifetime. <laughs> wow, wow! I never really said that out loud. Only ten years seems like forever. Anyways, um, so yes, I loved it. It hit all the notes. It hit it hit notes I didn't know I was ready to hear. It uh, hit the notes I expected. Everything. It just I came out of it going, wow, what a good moment. And I'm glad you the acting. Yeah, the acting. Yeah, I, I get it. The prequels get some hits, and I think some of us, particularly in tactical clones, is justified. And Lucas will tell you, no, I want him to act a certain way. Totally get it. But I think I think Hayden has some great moments in Sith, and this is one of them. And, and McDermott's always just great. So it, it just you come out of I came out of the movie really like liking the scene a lot. Yeah. Uh, same thing for me. No reason to belabor it. I remember seeing Revenge of the Sith in the theaters uh, so much. There's so much about that day uh, that is uh, burned in my memory. And I just remember being in the theater going, is this was starting going, oh wow, this we're gonna get a really rich scene of this slow seduction and we're going to absolutely take our time with it. You know, no speeding through while a Jedi says a cryptic thing that you have to decode later. We're going to slow down and we're doing this. And I remember just honestly being shocked and thrilled in the theater. Yeah. Loved it. Uh, another important thing to talk about before uh, we get into the details of the scene uh, or, or kind of the beat by beat. What do you think of the actual ballet Squid Lake? Is this a, is this a good ballet with uh, good music? Would you attend Squid Lake? Yes, I would. I'm glad. I'm glad we're including this in the discussion because uh, when you stop and think about it, uh, it is everything that I think is, is to love of the prequels. Great, big, high, revelations for star wars some big themes to just chew on juicy juicy force center loving themes right uh and then there's some just absolute weirdness and <laughs> sci-fi but not even sci-fi just high fantasy what now's going on and i do remember thinking like what am i looking at and a little bit later on you Learn Mon Calamari Ballet, Squid Lake, all those kind of things, Galaxy's Opera House, all this stuff's great. And it's just world building, but it's just George and his team, all the people that designed this, just kind of being like, where, 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 where should they have this conversation? Well, it should be, you know, we'll put it in an opera house. Oh, what are we going to say? No, let's have Mon Calamari bubbles and 
squid. I don't know what's going on. And I just love it. I, I, I focus on it a lot when I'm watching the scene. I just think it's great. Yeah, yeah. Weird is exactly the right way to describe it. It's these large, what appear to be suspended by some technology, balls of water that it looks like Mon Calamari. It's a ballet, so they are dancing, having some sort of, uh, you know, meaning communicated through movement uh, by leaping in between these bubbles, uh, trailing fabric, it looks like, you know, and it just, it looks like if, if you just saw it without any music, you'd be like, Oh, that's like Cirque du Soleil for fish people. <laughs> exactly. But then you listen to the music and you're like, wait, no, Squid Lake. It's something sad is happening in the narrative of Squid Lake because that's initially, and we're going to talk about it, what's going on with the music. But initially, that's the music from the ballet, that utterly ominous, horrific thing. So it just, yeah. it, it's a tragedy within a tragedy, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, I want to know more about it. And I'm sure there's some information out there, but I just, I still, even just this morning watching the scene again, just kind of getting ready for the show, just going, what is going on? And this is what I love about the prequels. George just going, yeah, no, no, no. It's going to be a ballet at an opera house with the Mon Calamari. Yeah. And in, you're right. There might be some details I haven't found. I checked Wikipedia and it was yeah. basically just like, you no, know, Squid Lake is a, it's a ballet. Yeah. Mon Calamari and some bad things happened while some people were watching it and that's it. <laughs> uh, so as we always do with these scene uh, by scene uh, discussions, we're going to take a look at where the characters are coming from before the scene even begins. Uh, so there's kind of a lot going on with both Anakin and, and Palpatine. So I wrote it out here, Ken. Uh, mm. Let's talk about where Anakin is at. Uh, before this, Anakin is having dreams about Padme dying in childbirth. That's, of course, very upsetting. And even without those dreams, he was also he has to be concerned about how to handle the pregnancy. He keeps saying that he just wants to enjoy it as a, a beautiful moment. And even when Padme brings up, we should talk about how we're going to handle this. He doesn't even want to talk about it. Uh, he's also frustrated with the Jedi for many reasons, uh, for not acting decisively enough to end the war. Uh, the Jedi have arguably kept him apart from his mother and Padme. They've arguably uh, drove Ahsoka away. A Anakin is angered that the Jedi are holding him back from his true potential, uh, both in Jedi power and now literally they're holding him back from being a full member of the Jedi Council. And he also thinks they're being hypocrites by asking him to spy on Palpatine off the record. And he also knows he's struggling to live up to his Jedi teaching. He's let his anger get the better of him multiple times. We see this uh, when he beats up Rush Clovis in the Clone Wars. Uh, I would argue when he kills Trench in the Clone Wars Season 7. Uh, certainly when he gives in and kills Dooku at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. So he's got a lot on his mind. <laughs> yeah. Given all of that, Ken, what do you think is Anakin is hoping to hear from this mentor, this friend? He got a message from Palpatine and said, you know, come meet me at the Opera House. What, what is he hoping to hear as he's running up those stairs? I think he's hoping to hear the way forward, the, the best way forward. And and with all the stuff, and I love that you brought the Clone Wars stuff in, because, yeah, that's it's, it's part of the conversation now. And it's uh, even the trench stuff. We just learned that as Star Wars fans. It's all part of it. And all the other things you're bringing up here, it's great, even including, you know, uh, this kind of, you know, uh, stereotypical guy that can't talk about his feelings and his wife's like, how are we going to raise this kid? It's just, it's great. <laughs> but how? It's great. Uh, I, all that's in his brain. And Palpatine knows all this, but I think what Anakin is wanting is, 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 is it's troubling him. I love that you say he, he has issues, but now he feels like he's failing because he has issues with the Jedi. You know what I mean? 
It's yeah. like that's wrong. Oh, I'm not a good Jedi for thinking that. But he wants to go forward, he wants the war to end, all this stuff. But I, I think he's always had these conversations with Palpatine. We we know that there had that 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 relationship exists. Um, you know, come into my office, young Annie, and I'll I'll give you a slowly work on you my perspective over ten years here. So I think I think to me he wants to find some sort of confirmation, perhaps, for the things he wants to do. Uh, and then of course he's got the big fear of Padme. I don't know if he I don't believe he's going there to get specific answers about how do I keep Padme alive. No, not at all. Died. But that too is the way forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like what you're saying. I think that he is going there for relief, right? Because uh, kind of on one side, he's got Obi-Wan and the Jedi. On the other side, he's always had his mentor and his friend, uh, Palpatine. Uh, they're aligned in a lot of uh, ways. Anakin seems to think kind of like politically that like, Hey, well, you know, sure, give him give him more power. Yeah, it's not normal, but he'll it'll help him end the war quickly, and we'll get this over with. Um, and then the Jedi and, and Obi Wan up to a point have kind of let him down. So he's just, I think, going to a mentor, a friend, as he describes him, and hoping that this mentor will give him a way out of his problems that will relieve him from all this pressure in any way. And I I have to think that he is feeling like I have all this power and the Jedi are telling me not to use it. And I, I want my power to translate into control over the situation, which I know the Jedi are saying, you know, you should just be passive and reactive to what is happening to you. You should not try to control everything. You should teach yourself to let go, but maybe my mentor will show me a way that I can get my hands around my problems, have some control. So Mm -hmm. I don't feel powerless as bad things are about to happen. I think he's kind of naturally by everything that's bothering him perfectly primed for what Palpatine's going to be selling. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, and, and a lot of it, yes, from Palpatine's plan and manipulation going way before this, but just where he is mentally. Yeah. He's, this is, this is a delicate state to run up to that opera house. Uh, into. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, let's look at it from uh, Palpatine's perspective. So Palpatine has already got Anakin to give into his anger and kill Dooku, even when uh, Anakin is saying, you know, I shouldn't. And then Palpatine kind of rewards him like it's perfectly naturally cut off your arm. Of course you want to cut his head off. Uh, So Palpatine has already got him to give into that anger. Uh, Palpatine has also put pressure on Anakin's conflict with the Jedi by demanding that Anakin be put on the Jedi Council, which he knows the Jedi will dislike. Uh, Palpatine is aware that Anakin is having dreams about Padme dying uh, because he mentions this later in the film that, you know, you uh, this would be the power to save uh, your wife. Uh, and uh, I think we know that Palpatine slash Sidious believes that he'll be able to break Anakin soon because he tells Grievous a little bit earlier in the film, no big deal about Count Dooku. Uh, soon I'll have a new apprentice, which might, one much younger and far more powerful. Uh and then he calls Anakin to meet him about locating Grievous. So Palpatine's obviously uh, pulling the strings. He knows a lot of what's going on. He set a lot of it in motion over time and very recently. Uh, but now he's making this specific choice to give Anakin this news about Grievous. Why do you think Palpatine is choosing this time, this location? Whew, uh, to get in the mind of Sheev. Um <laughs> Talking about Anakin being perfectly primed, I think more on the on the flip side, I think there's more pieces in place. I love what you pointed out here about the Jedi Council, about Palpatine forcing his hand because he he knows 
he knows the Jedi will be like, what? Uh, all right, but he's not going to be a master. And I imagine Palpatine, much like he smiles at the end of Revenge of the Sith, uh, Revenge of the Sith, excuse me, why uh, Anakin, uh, Vader's screaming no, and Palpatine's got that grin on his face. Um, <laughs> I think in his private chambers, when he puts the message in, go, go tell, you tell him uh, you're on the council uh, and see if they'll make you master. Just ask him, just ask him. And Anakin rush, rushes off. I think Palpatine's in his office alone, just going, because he, he knows he's just pushed it all forward. And now's the time. I think it's just, I think I think the pieces have fallen in place. And, and going back to Anakin, going back to, uh, the, what is it, the Citadel arc when they rescue uh, Tarkin, Captain Tarkin in the Clone Wars. That's where, you know, Anakin's saying, I don't think the Jedi go far enough to win the war. You know, that, that, that's been in his head for a while. And so for Palpatine to put that on a platter right now, it's time to go end the war, right? It's time, Anakin. I think just the the turkey has cooked. The <laughs> oven has Yeah, yeah. And, and not to mention that Anakin and Padme have been apart because of the war for a long time. And mm-hmm. that's straining uh, all of this as well. And there is that whole dangling of everybody thinks that everything will change for the better when the war ends. And Palpatine's really using that manipulation on everyone around him. But I really like that. Not So he put him on the Jedi Council. So in theory, great. He's got his connection on the Jedi Council. But this is a step to make it even more manipulative to Anakin of like, I'm not going to tell Yoda. I'm not going to tell Mace Windu. You know, I'm not going to wait until a council meeting. I'm going to call you personally at this really specific and weird time to give you the information. So it makes Anakin feel special, right? Yeah. It makes him feel... Uh, trusted, and though he should be taking control over situations, which uh, Palpatine is going to press on more. But then Mm -hmm. the fact that he's doing it at the opera, right? I mean, at this point, Palpatine could have done this absolutely anywhere. This could have been another private conversation in, you know, in his office. Mm -hmm. But to bring him to this opera, I think, you know, Palpatine has only recently been kidnapped, right? And, and of course, unattacked. Uh, And this must be this sort of this massive head of state going to the opera and sitting in a box and watching art like it's all going to be fine, it's all going to be okay. The opera is such a picture of normalcy, right? Uh, That it is refinement and legitimacy and society is going to go on the way it should. Uh, But this is so important. Anakin, come and meet me here surrounded by this utter sense of legitimacy and art and then i'm going to say all of these challenging dark things to you and really press on you and make you question everything with this huge sense of everything's fine that is given over by the opera totally yeah yeah Mm. a little bit of luxury to hide the poison yeah a little bit of luxury and a little bit of this is just uh, like our peaceful society and we'll take Mm -hmm. care of that ugly war that's far away from here uh so with that the scene itself begins uh we see anakin uh run up through the galaxy's opera house he goes past a gungan and a bd 3000 luxury droid (laughs) (laughs) many other people and aliens uh, who are all apparently running late to the show are going to get uh snacks because the show started Uh, me crazy He goes past Chairman uh, Papanoida and Chi Ikwe Papanoida, of course, and then Anakin enters the box. There are two red guards, not yet Imperial guards, because uh, it's not yet the Empire, uh, but they are not Senate guards either. They are red guards. 
then Slymore, uh, Masamita, and oh, I love this Senator Sweet Concorkill. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a Verk senator, same species as Coleman Trabor, who is a member of the Delegation of 2000. That is the delegation of senators who uh, are in the cutscenes of Revenge of the Sith who are going to be asking Palpatine to uh, dial back on the emergency powers and, and drop them as soon as the war is over. Uh, so what does this setting do for the scene? We, we talked about um, what the opera might mean for... Uh, Anakin, but do do you think it means kind of the same things for the audience of here is this uh, guy who we know is going to become an evil wizard with this, you know, horrific face, lightning shooting out of his hands. But right now he's a proper leader in proper society. Uh, is that what you get from this or, or is there something more? No, I, I think that's what I get from, especially with that Senator kind of, I'm not going to say, would you call the delegation of 2000 in opposition to him? I mean, they want him to drop powers, but you know what I mean? Like, he's there. Let's just go have a good time. Don't worry about it. We'll work it all out. Let's just go. Um, I'm fat. By the way, I'm fascinated with what the conversation was prior to this. Slight right. Masamita. Masamita's just like, he's he probably doesn't care. He's like, he's used to this privileged life of free, you know, opera boxes and probably, he's probably really crappy to the service staff about his performance. <laughs> and Sly Moore, you can't get a read on. Uh, she's just sitting there, you know, with that stone cold face. But that, you know, there's, there's, they have to go with a little bit of the motions through Palpatine. And I'm just upset. We got that great thing. And it was at Queen's, uh, Queen's peril, right? Of just uh, Palpatine in his office before he got chancellor, just kind of bummed that he doesn't have room to display the art that he wants to. <laughs> yeah. Fascinated with that leading into this as far as the bigger stuff. But yeah, uh, it is, uh, it is the face is the face he wants everyone to see. Um, and, and we know that what is buried deep down inside is not there. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something about it. it's the the box and we have all our associations with that, uh, that you even mentioned as like, oh, that's that's where, you know, wealthy people get to go. That's where you're both in public, but also locked off in private. So I love that this is it feels like how could anything bad happen? It's the opera. There are thousands of people here. It's very public, but it also has that like, but this is our private little box. This is the seat of power, you know. So it's, it, it's secret and public at the same time. Well, it, it, it bakes in a level of, um, uh, what, what's the word? You just, you just, I'll just say it in layman terms. You just feel better than the other people. I've <laughs> occasionally gotten to go to the luxury boxes at Dodger Stadium or the exclusive home plate seats where you're literally waiting for Tom Cruise to get a Dodger dog so you can have yours. Uh, you just, you can't help but feel like, <laughs> look where I am. And, and for Palpatine to be up there and Anakin to feel like he's, he's part of that. Not that he cares, but you know what I mean? You just can't help but kind of be like, this is, I'm in another world and I belong in this world. Yeah. But status, I think, is baked into what is going on uh, mm -hmm. because, you know, Anakin has just been mad that he hasn't been given the title, oh, yeah. the rank of master, that that is status. So like Anakin is caring about those things, which I think tie into all of his other feelings of being held back and, you know, not fully exploring his power and being appreciated and all these kind of things. Uh, so I think that sense of status is important. And I know in the scene we do see other people in other boxes, but this is still like the box of the Supreme Chancellor with a yeah. very, very small audience in it. Uh, do you think those other people want to be there? You talked about, <laughs> uh, yeah, Slymore just is going wherever, uh, and so is Masamita. But then, yeah, what is this poor Verk senator doing? 
What's happening there? Do you think he wants to be there? No, no, no. I think I think he doesn't trust Sheev. It's not the Palpatine uh, Sidious Emperor of it all. He just doesn't maybe like Sheev. Uh, that's why maybe it could just maybe step down a little bit afterwards. I'm fascinated by that. I'm going to look a little bit more into what that w- would mean for him to be there. But it is what it is, you know. As someone who's part of a weird aspect of my other career and job was having to attend very high level city events where people who are either running against each other or have run against each other who publicly snipe at each other are shaking hands over rubber chicken and broccoli served on a cold plate at an event. And no one wants to be there. And they all have their aides and their assistants and their chiefs of staff and they're in their cars and you see them in the parking lot. Oh God, Bob's going to be here. (laughs) Hey Bob. Um, It's just, what fascinates me about politics, that doesn't uh, mean politics are bad or they're, they're not important. I just, it just, it's this weird side effect. So yes, it's a weird setting. No one, no one necessarily wants to be, Palpatine himself probably doesn't want to be there. Yeah. I mean, I think there's very little joy in that box. If anybody wants to be there, I think it's Palpatine because, you know, he, he knows what's coming with this, uh, with getting Anakin there. I think maybe he's watching that Mon Calamari opera and enjoying the tragedy and thinking about what fools any of the heroes in the tragedy are like, you know, he's enough of a connoisseur. Like maybe he's enjoying it, but I totally yeah. with you. I, I don't, I think Masamita and Slymore are just there to eat the power crumbs that drip off of Palpatine. They have yeah. sold their souls to be in that box in like, and yeah. sweet Concord kill has to be just terrified. Yeah. And there's no way that Palpatine has been even remotely kind to him. You know, he's sitting in the back. Yeah. You, know, you know, I love the joy that Palpatine's getting out of this is he's feeding off the fact that no one wants to be there. <laughs> yes. He's just like, yes, they all hate me and hate being here, but they can't say no. I, you know, I, that is both a hilarious joke and I think it's true. Like we know that the dark side feeds off of negativity, off of anger and, and hatred and, you know, a passion if you want to interpret that as a negative emotion. But I think it also can feed off of just being a jerk and making people uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I've been finishing up uh, what we do in the shadows, the TV show version, and they got that great energy vampire character who just loves all of that. It is just it's funny. It reminds me of that. But it's true. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. He's sucking people's joy away as well. Uh, so uh, Palpatine tells Anakin to come closer and he gives him the good news. The clone intelligence units have located Grievous hiding in the Utapau system. Anakin responds, at last we'll be able to capture that monster and end this war. Uh, Sheev says he'd worry about the collective wisdom of the council if they didn't send Anakin on this mission. Now, why is this in particular? Everybody wants to uh, end the war. Anakin, uh, I think, in particular, has motivations there. Uh, Why is this such a successful manipulation of Anakin that the war could end and he should be sent to do it? It's in line with what we're saying, but Anakin feels maybe the Jedi don't go don't go too far to win, but also that he, you know, what does he tell Padme? Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not being the Jedi I can be. And it's not just so much about, I'm not the humble servant of peace, but just like, you know, I have feelings that my skills could be used for great things. Uh, we talk about it. I mean, we, we're going to talk about in Clone Wars report uh, on Friday's episode, the, the malevolence line of just, it is Plo Kloon has a line of like, Anakin always, you know, seeking adventure and thrills, you know, and it's just like he just he's go, go, go because he knows he can do it. And so I think on that level, it hits me on that level of just like Anakin, we could end that war and then you could go be with Padme and deal with everything else. And you should do it. You got the skills. 
just going to set you up for like, well, I don't want me and I'm already grumpy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're entirely spot on. I think there's also the chosen one thing being floated out there of you are, he, Anakin has to be aware that he is meant for some alleged higher purpose. Uh, but he, about that. you know, he's been feeling held back. We know that it, it attack the clones. It's all it'd be one's fault. He's holding me back. He's made this vow uh, over his mother's grave that he, you know, will become powerful enough uh, to make sure that this never happens to anybody else he loves. And the Jedi are holding him back. People are suffering in the war. He lost Ahsoka. And I think the emotion of the idea that the Jedi are holding him back, that he, he alone is so powerful that he, if he was unleashed to just use his power, he could end this destructive conflict, as he says, uh, yeah. much later in life. And then things would somehow magically be better for him and Padme. I think that's a big part of it, too, of like, if mm-hmm. the Jedi weren't holding me back, I could just end this war. I ended Dooku. Uh, maybe feel a little ambivalent about it, but I did. But I could end Grievous, and then the war would be over, and maybe I could make some different choices and somehow be, you know, open and honest and, and free with Padme. Totally. Totally. And he's been, you know, not raised, but also the point of view of this war's bad. War needs to end. Winning is good. All of that's in his head, and he can do it. And now they're not letting me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, big, big win uh, for Sheep. <laughs> yeah, great, great opening move. Uh, and then, uh, then Palpatine uh, invites him, and he says, "Sit down." Uh, and then he says to everybody else in a slightly sidious voice, "Leave us." <laughs> uh, I've always loved this. Do you? Do you love this? That slight transi- transition yeah. from uh, "Sit down, leave us." <laughs> Pulling the curtain back for for some of the listeners here. Yeah, generally we don't do we don't confer over these notes. Uh, you lead a lot of these big discussions and, and and take us through with these wonderful notes, and I'll get them. and And you and I have been doing this for five years. We just we know each other's language of uh, Star Wars love. But this is one of the ones where I'm like, yeah, you and I would have had fun in 2005 just talking at a bar or a Jack in the Box across the Mark Light because I still this is just one of my favorite moments of of it. It is just so. Because, of course, they're not going to question it. The old senator's kind of like, good, great, I'm out. Sly Morris just like, again. is like, I'm going to go yell at that luxury droid. I did not get the shrimp I wanted. But just like, how many times has he done this? Leave us. And it's just so the two faces of Palpatine on display. And it's uh, there's a little bit of unintentional comedy, too, that I love. It's just like, cool, get out of here. Just great. I love it. It's a great beat. Yeah, I, I, I'm so fascinated by it because, it, you know, he's so calculating that he is showing Anakin. And we're going to talk even more about, you know, he's at the opera. He's the legitimate head of state. He's going to make a bunch of arguments that kind of reinforce like what? I am the legitimate leader trying to end the war and help you. And then he just turns around as just an absolute power hungry jerk. Hey, you're beneath me. Get out of here. <laughs> and it's it's so obviously demeaning toward the people there you know yeah. it's not uh, masa mita my trusted assistant could you give us a moment leave us and it's so unquestioned and they slowly stand up and walk out it's so it's so demeaning the, the best is slide more just just not even not even a blink of reaction on her face yep all right <laughs> yeah it's not excuse us for a minute it's get the f out of here yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just love it. Uh, so everyone is gone except the Red Guards, Anakin and the Palpatine, sitting in a chair that evokes the Emperor's throne. Uh, there is some sort of uh, screen on the chairs that's, I guess, to order candy. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, right. But it's it's glowing red. And this is just some great visual rhyming, right? It's at the opera. It's all official and above board, but it's the Emperor. It's future Vader. It's future Imperial Guards in throne-like seats glowing red. And it's just great, you know, visual rhyming. There's nothing subtle about it, and I love it. <laughs> yep, yeah, no, I, yeah, don't need to dig in more. I, I hope it's the same guards. <laughs> like, I hope that's the duty they got. Or at least one of them's still there. So on uh, the second Death Star, he's talking to the new kid. I've been uh, I've been uh, doing this 20-plus uh, years, actually. I, I used to go see operas with him. Yeah, you know, I got to stay in the box. You know, everybody else had to leave, but I got to stay. And then he's really upset when, when Palpatine says, gods, leave us. God, what? What? Uh, Come on. I've, I've been in the room for almost everything. <laughs> uh, so after this great uh, beat of visual rhyming, Palpatine uh, says to Anakin, if the Jedi haven't included you in their plot, they soon will. They're planning to take over the Republic. So why is Palpatine pushing this specific narrative on Anakin? Uh, not just the ending the war, not just holding Anakin's power back, uh, but trying to create this uh, image that the Jedi are uh, not just spying and making Anakin uncomfortable, uh, but colluding and trying to actually take over the government. I, it's it's a great way to to so distrust to distrust right. The, everyone's against me. Everyone's against me. Don't question why. Everyone's against me. You know me, Anakin. Come on. Come on. He, he's, he uses it up to the moments uh, with Mace, right? It's the same thing. It's it's easy to sell. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, I don't even need to dig much more into it. It's just, it's, uh, he's got a connection to Anakin. It's very easy. People, we all, you know, I don't, this sounds perhaps more cynical than I mean, mean it, but it's like we all can have agendas. Your agenda might be just... You know, my goal every day is to get to 7-Eleven, get a, a, a Subway sandwich. You know, that that's everything's working towards that. I'm going to move every piece on the board to get to that moment. That's my agenda. I don't <laughs> know. So I think it's Palpatine. It's just an easy narrative to push to Anakin at this point. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you that it's absolutely just sowing that doubt and confusion. Um, I think that it ties into a lot of arguments that Palpatine is going to start to make about the lack of difference between the Jedi and the Sith. Uh, so it's kind of the opening move on that discussion. But it also is just really striking to me of, you know, the, this movie, uh, you know, exists in the real world. Lucas himself uh, had a lot of interest in this is a story he wanted to tell about not only does how how does a hero fall, but how does a government fall? How does uh, both a good person and a well-intentioned government corrode from within? And I think just kind of marveling at the rhetorical strength that existed and has existed in our society for a long time of just saying that the person that you are in opposition to is doing the thing that you're doing. It is shocking how successful that is. Like on one hand, we are taught that as children that saying, nah, they did it is the <laughs> stupidest argument, uh, the most childlike argument. And yet you see it again and again throughout history of how successful it is. As soon as you raise the specter of like, I'm not the one doing the awful thing that in this case with Palpatine, he is doing, uh, it's them. As soon as you say that maybe both sides are doing it, it utter, it's just this great diversion to change the conversation. Now, 
a responsible person, uh, uh, wants a mature person, wants to go, you're right. Let's look at it from all angles and see if, if both sides are doing it. And just how successful that is, not just to Anakin in this moment, but just as a piece of rhetoric for humans, mm-hmm. it makes this moment fascinating to me. It is even more so because Palpatine's kind of both sides, right? <laughs> like, yeah, this war he started, this war is horrible, but you started it. Knows this. No one knows this, but yeah, it's just, it just highlights it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, as we'll discuss, you know, the Jedi are not planning this, but it's enough that Palpatine just says, yeah, no, uh, I didn't steal the cookie. The Jedi stole the cookie. And then everybody's running around wondering who stole the cookie instead of dealing with the fact that Palpatine obviously stole the cookie. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, okay, so moving along, moving along. Uh, when Palpatine actually says the words, they're planning to betray me, uh, the music shifts from the diegetic music of the ballet to the non-diegetic music of the actual film score. Do you think there's a significance that it happens at that moment? And also, have you ever noticed that? <laughs> I ha- Yeah, no, I have noticed it because, you know, when you come in, to the scene, it's very much about, and I think the Galaxy's Opera House is one of the just kind of underrated designs in the prequels. It's so good. I had a good freeze frame on it uh, today. Uh, we're just like everything about it. It, 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 even down to the design of when Anakin's entering into the box, he's on the outside and they got the little numbers like it's box five. My ticket says box seven. Oh, that's this way. It's so detailed. So when you walk in, I'm really cute. Always been uh, uh, clued into the the music, just hearing it. You're hearing it in the arena, hearing the the the, the crowd applause, and yeah, and that, which is something there. So to have it switch, yeah, it's noticeable, and it's just this is the 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 the, the talons are kind of really kind of being dug into Anakin at this moment. And that's why that's what I've always taken in that specific moment and choice. Yeah, yeah. I, I admit I have never fully noticed that transition because the, we've heard the applause and we've heard the ominous music of the tragedy that is clearly Squid Lake. Um, and it segues into this music that is just the score. And then we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later on. Then it becomes mixed and, and Squid Lake, uh, you know, kind of reemerges and, and recedes again and again throughout the uh, the scene. I'd never really mo- noticed that it was this full, clear transition until I was kind of listening to the music for the music. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you about it. it really is happening at the moment because he's got everybody else out of the box and he's saying a pretty heavy thing of like the Jedi are not just, you know, kind of hypocrites, kind of holding you back, you know, uh, too passive and inactive. They are actively trying to overthrow the government. And like, he's really he's really going for it now. And the music comes up to be like, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Yeah. He, he's making the pitch, you know, systems are go. All systems are, are go. Uh, Anakin says, I, I don't think. And Palpatine interrupts him with a very correcting Anakin. Mm, so good. Yeah. <laughs> also a big fan of that delivery because it is just, there's so much packed into it of it's just so like, you're so naive, Anakin. Um, anything else that you want to say about that delivery of Anakin? Well, no, McDermott's so great as, as, as an actor. Uh, and, and, you know, so you're playing, you're playing the emotions and, and notes behind the line, right? And it's just, the story that's being told there is, uh, what are we now, 10, 12, 13 years uh, history between them now since Phantom Menace and now, right? Uh, trying mm-hmm. to do the math quickly. That just to me is like that. It, it, it's it's probably the tone that it was like 10 years ago. Anakin, we can't make pod racing a Jedi game. Like, uh, what are you doing, young Annie? It's like that, that history 
it to me is there and present in that line. It's just kind of this sheave, sheave going, you, it, Anakin, it's me. Don't be silly. And I yeah. Delivered perfect. Yeah. It, it is just like, uh, it, I think you, to call it the history is great because it feels like they've had versions of this conversation before where Anakin has maybe, you know, hearing the lessons of Sheev or Sheev, uh, Shmi in his heart of be, be kind, be helpful. And, you know, Palpatine has, you know, just looked so sad and said, oh, I'm so sorry. Your mother was right. But that's just not the way the government works. That's not the way, you know, so many people work. It's sad that so many people are awful. It just, I just love how much it's just like, Anakin, don't be naive, but it's just in the delivery, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, so then Anakin admits that the Jedi don't trust Palpatine, uh, and Palpatine responds, or the Senate, or the Republic, or democracy for that matter. Uh, why is invoking things that we know Palpatine does not believe in why is that a successful manipulation of Anakin as well? Uh, you know, I guess the easy answer is Anakin's already in the headspace. Might as well pour some sugar on it there, uh, some syrup, and serve those pancakes up to Anakin. He knows Anakin knows better. This is this is why you talk about when did he fall? He's already on the slippery s- slope. I don't think this is a specific moment, but it, it, that should be a, a moment of uh, him really going, "What are you talking about? Like, what what do you?" Like Senate, maybe Republic, you, maybe, but democracy, like what do you, you're, you're, you're going down a path I can't follow Palpatine, but instead it's just all working in Anakin's swirling head to kind of be like, Oh, I, not, I hadn't thought of that angle. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause it's a, it is a hell of a thing that Palpatine is, is selling that on one hand we're mad at the Jedi because they are, you know, slow and inactive and, and too passive and, you know, haven't done what it takes to end the war and, you know, want to want people to hold back on using their power, but also they're going to take over the government. Right. Uh, so it's, it's critiquing them from lots of different angles, but uh, I've always been affected by this because we have lots of moments like this from Palpatine where like, you know, when he gets his emergency powers and has the, I love democracy, um, that it is, you know, obviously a part of the game, uh, to say that you support the thing that you are going to consume. I mean, this is the person who is going to say, you know, very soon from now, I am the Senate, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I think it's extremely important in the manipulation of Anakin, because this is not just the story of the fall of Anakin. This is the story of the fall of the Republic. And I think what he's building up to is what happens in the scene with Mace, that he is selling that he is the legitimate government that, yeah, he knows the dark side, but the dark side is legitimate. He's going to get to saying it's just another perspective. Um, but it's important that he doesn't critique the systems of government. So Anakin, when he is asked by Palpatine to do clearly awful things like slaughtered children, it's not just that Anakin is doing it to save Padme. It's that Palpatine has dangled just the thinnest layer of lying to himself that it's not the institutions that are being attacked, that the institutions are still there and still supported. And and we see Anakin kind of give lip service to this throughout the movie of, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still on the side of right, even though I slaughtered children because I'm on the side of, you know, uh, the Republic and the government. And for Palpatine to kind of give him like, while you're doing things that you know are wrong, like slaughtering children, 
here's just a little raft of a lie to hang on to that it's still legitimate. Right. Here's your justification pill. Take it, swallow it when you need to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a raft. It's a pill. It's lots of different things. (laughs) It is the lie that the Sith are legitimate, that the dark side is legitimate, Uh, which we're going to get more of in just a bit here. Uh, Palpatine confirms that the Jedi asked Anakin to spy on him and supports this uh, by saying to Anakin, remember back to your early teachings, all who gain power are afraid to lose it, even the Jedi. Does Palpatine believe this? Is it just a lie? And if Palpatine does believe it, is he reflecting on himself? Is he afraid to lose his power? Well, yeah, he's afraid to lose a lot of things and move forward and let go of the Sith way. But this is an interesting discussion point about the Sith in general. Well, I do like the rule of two idea. I do like what Lucas is saying with that because it's always it's almost it's almost comical to me that that you get to the number one spot by killing your mentor and then you take an apprentice knowing that they're going to try to kill you. And then it's this blind ego and thirst for power, unlimited power that can never be quenched that you think I'm not the one that's going to be taken down. And so I think Palpatine is afraid to lose the power on some level, but I think he really truly believes he's solved it. He's cracked it. And yeah. and everyone before Plagueis too, they probably thought solved it, cracked it. Uh, Vader. Okay. So Luke goes, sounds great, Dad. Let's toss the Emperor down, and uh, you and I will run things. And Vader's thinking, well, that's going to go great. <laughs> I'll be number one forever. <laughs> so it's just a comment on being blind uh, and, and and not acknowledging your fears, but just being blind because of a, a simple base level greed and lust for power that you're going to ignore uh, even things that you know are there, this this setup, just on the system. That's, that's the Sith way of looking at things. Um but yeah, I, I do. I think he believes. Do, does he believe it? Yeah, because he, he he knows himself. Yeah, yeah. No, I like a lot of what you're saying. I, I think I respond to this in terms of kind of some Star Wars poetry. Um, we still don't know exactly in what ways Snoke is a puppet of Palpatine. But if you uh, assume for the sake of argument that Snoke's actions in The Force Awakens and in The Last Jedi are you know in line with Palpatine's wants. Those movies are motivated utterly by fear. Snoke uh, slash Palpatine could be absolutely just moving forward with yeah. their plan. Luke is in hiding, but everything they set off is because he is so afraid of Luke Skywalker because Luke Skywalker once made him, you know, contributed yeah. to him losing his power. And he is just desperately clinging to that, you know, not losing his power. So I think eventually for Palpatine, uh, this fear of losing your power does become a weakness. Um, yeah. So I, I love thinking about that. And then just in this moment, like um, I think he's, he's really uh, building up to all of these overtures where he is going to say, there's no difference between the Jedi and the Sith basically. Um, but I think in this moment, the specific thing of all who gain power are afraid to lose it. Uh, even the Jedi, I think that Palpatine believes that like he's saying other things he, he knows oh, yeah. that he's he, he knows the jedi are not actually trying to take over you know um right. yeah, he thinks they're weak and ineffective and that they're not willing to do what needs to be done but i think there's also like this is a part of what it is to be a sith is to see other people who claim to be good who claim to be selfless like that there's no such thing as that that they're liars and hypocrites so to me there's got to be this element of truth too of like yeah yoda claims he doesn't want power but everyone does. That's why what I'm doing is is right because 
I've, I've taken the blinders off and, you know, everybody wants power. I'm just the one who's actually willing to do something about it, you know? So I, I think there is something sincere about his worldview in, in the worldview of a Sith. Oh yeah. He's got that contempt for his little green friend. Right. Uh, <laughs> in, in high Jedi council. Yeah. It, it, it's it, cause I think there's even Anakin, Anakin cannot be the only Jedi who's kind of like, whatever they're doing up there, they don't know what's best for the Jedi order. I do, man. Opo Rancisis. What does he know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a natural, it's a natural way of, uh, of life sometimes, uh, fortunately. Uh, yeah. so, yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think he yeah, despises them. Yeah. I think they won't give it up. Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, cool. We'll move on. Anakin says uh, the Jedi use their power for good, and Palpatine responds, "Good is a point of view." Anakin, the Sith and the Jedi are similar in almost every way, including their quest for greater power. Now, should that have caused some warning bells for Anakin? And is that true from any point of view? This is this is one of the points of I'm saying of just you see little Annie in that moment. Being like, but wait, 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 no, 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 you're wrong. The Jedi use their power for good, which is, which is true, generally, right? Let's mm -hmm. not worry about individual incidents or people in the Jedi Order who haven't to, you know, the lost 20, all those things. Don't worry about that. Just in general, I think Anakin's right. And this, to me, is one of those months where he's, he's, he's not like backpedaling, but he, he's on quicksand in his heart. It's, it's where he's been a little defeated in debate where you're just like, well, no, 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 no. Uh, this thing is what I believe, right? Is it what I believe? And, yeah. And, 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 and Palpatine's just jabbing him in the side with some, not truths, but some things that are just, when you're on shaky ground, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe you're right. Mm, and you're just, you know, this is, a, this is one of those moments for Anakin. If he just had gone with what he knows, gone with what he felt, and turned towards the light because it's there, he would have he had a different outcome. Of it. Maybe, maybe, maybe still would have been where he was, but I think this is one of those moments. I love the phrase quicksand in his heart. Yeah, because you're right. There's that the little boy who learned from his mom that the problem with this universe is uh, people don't help each other. And yeah, he's had lots of frustrations, lots of uh, uh, horrible things happen, lots of reasons to doubt and criticize the Jedi. But for years, right, he's been trained this and he's been sent on missions to help people, not to, you know, <laughs> steal some of their supplies and not to go, you know, assassinate someone. He has been out there in theory, doing what his mom said was good. He has been out there as a Jedi trying to help people. And maybe it doesn't always work, but he's been out there trying to do that. And there, yeah, there's that little glimmer of like, can that, that truth of like, good as a point of view, great big uh, moral philosophical discussion, but in the mythos of Star Wars, you know, uh, you know, the, the Jedi are, are actively trying to help people and the Sith are not. That is, you know, pretty clear cut and and anakin i think is struggling in that moment as you say to, to hang on to it uh the other thing that i really like about this is uh, the, there's this tension of how the jedi are being criticized and to say the sith and the jedi uh are, are similar in almost every way including their quest for greater power i love this because i feel like the things that we criticize the jedi for when we discuss the prequel era is because they are not being active enough and they aren't being active enough because they are so, trying so hard to not follow the Sith path of wanting more power. Even later in this movie when they're talking about like, well, if Palpatine really is a problem and we really do have to remove him, then we'll have to take over the Senate. And, and Yoda says to a dark place, this leads us. And that's all because what Palpatine is saying right here is not true. The Jedi 
don't want more power. They want to be passive and they want to come help when someone needs it. They don't want to be prescriptive. That's, you know, all the all the failings they've made, in my view, is because they're trying to just say we have power and we're going to use it when it helps. But we're not going to seek out more power for ourselves. Uh, that's why they, you know, go along with what the government wants, even when they don't really agree with the government. And it ends them up uh, in a war. Right. Uh, it, it's because of this. They're, all of this more power that's being granted to Palpatine starting in Attack of the Clones. They don't like that but they don't want to vie for more power, so they don't do anything about it. Mm. Uh, so I, I'm just really moved by it. Uh, this is one of my justice for the Jedi. This is one of the good things about the Jedi, that they don't actually want more power, but then the bad part of that is it leads them to be inactive in moments they maybe should have taken action. Right, and then you get Anakin saying, you don't go far enough. That's roll, rolling around in his head. So again, he's, being, uh, he's backpedaling a little bit here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for letting me go on about justice for the oh. Jedi, my favorite topic on Force Center these days. Uh, so Anakin responds, the Sith rely on their passion for their strength. They think inwards only about themselves. Palpatine counters and the Jedi don't. Anakin replies with the Jedi are selfless. They only care about others. Uh, at this point, the score has been mixed with the ballet music and uh, Squid Lake comes up a little bit and there's a big round of applause. Are <laughs> the applause for the Jedi being selfless? Is that a little... <laughs> clue uh, from Lucas, a little subliminal thing to say, yep, you, what Anakin is saying is actually true, and he's being manipulated by Palpatine. Look, I'm there for that. I'm there for that, Laren. You you make those choices in editing, post-production, you know, you, you're clearly going, and right here, bring in the applause. So yeah, maybe it's a point for Anakin in this debate, in this Lincoln-Douglas Lincoln debate. <laughs> it's a point for Anakin. He just doesn't know it, or he doesn't have the confidence to keep rolling on it there. Again, he, we talk about that quicksand, so he's on it, but um, so it's easy to slip off of it. But he's right, you know. He is. He's. It's there. This isn't the fall of Anakin. Isn't just. It. It, it isn't overnight. It, it. 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 It's. It's. It's years of his beliefs having some cracks in them, and no one helping him repair the cracks, and it's all come to a head here. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like this is the moment where Palpatine really is pushing hard on this argument that uh, the Jedi and the Sith are the same. Uh, but I think Anakin is saying what, um, what, what Lucas is, you know, confirmed in interviews, uh, is his perspective that, um, the Sith are selfish and the Jedi are striving to be selfless. Uh, so the Sith being selfish and the Jedi being selfless is an important distinction. Um, do you ever think that Palpatine's argument is too persuasive? And, uh, are we as the audience like Anakin, where we're getting sometimes persuaded as we read uh, this scene and read the meaning of the Skywalker saga and go, um, yeah, maybe good is a point of view. Yeah, maybe the Jedi do want power. Maybe the Jedi and the Sith are both kind of the same. Do we as an audience uh, get manipulated by Palpatine in this scene? I think so. Yeah, no, it's it's the... Uh... It's definitely a point of view thing, and definitely you can look at specific examples. And and if if the Je the Jedi are making mistakes, part of Lucas's point here, right? In the in the in the prequels overall, but so it's easy for baby bathwater type of situation to to throw to, to come into play here, where um, not that I don't know, not that we're we're rooting for Anakin to turn. I don't know, but I, I know I, to me it attaches it, it, it attaches to a little bit of of last Jedi and what Luke was saying cuz even Luke seems to have fallen for it. <laughs> not directly. He's not here, but it's easy to kind of push yourself that direction and not see what was there. Ray is able to be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, but also you did this, right? Remember, don't forget that." 
Yeah, yeah. I think there's this distinction that we we criticize the Jedi, but the path they're trying to walk is really difficult. So yeah. sometimes they some stumble. Sometimes they take action when they shouldn't. And sometimes they uh, don't take action when they should. And bad things happen. And our, you know, good characters who truly want to be selfless end up uh, <laughs> in exile and, uh, and feeling bad about it for, you know, years at a time. Uh, but then the Sith, the dark side, the Palpatine, uh, of it all from my perspective comes in and says well yeah you're on the high path and you stumbled just a little bit so you are exactly the same as me a guy who only wants power and thinks it's great to kill anybody in your way yeah. <laughs> and to say that because you stumbled on a high path you are actually the same as me a person who glorifies in murder for my own pleasure we're the same <laughs> yeah is you know it, this scene is so well written because it makes you go down all of these thought patterns of like, okay, well, yeah, what are the similarities? What are the difference? Are the Jedi being hypocrites? Are they all this and that? But when you pull back and go, no, this, the Sith are selfish murderers. That it, they, yeah. they say that. That's like that's on their mission statement. <laughs> like that's who they are. But yeah. they're somehow also the same as the you know well-intentioned people who've made mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so fascinating discussion to me. Uh, do you have any more thoughts on that before we take a quick break? No, let's uh, let's take that break. I am consulting. I got my beginning screenwriting book out, Joseph, and they say every villain is the hero in his own story. Is that is that is that what Palpatine's saying? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I think absolutely. Uh, good is a point of view, and uh, I think the point of view that Palpatine has as good is that it's naive and stupid. <laughs> Everyone, shut up and let me take over. Leave us. Leave us, everybody. Uh, We are going to leave you for just a moment, and then we will be back as we get into the famous classic part of this scene. Back in a moment. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Four Center friends. Make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Hey, 
Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you and more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out. back to continue discussing Palpatine's box of manipulations. Ken, it's the time we've been waiting for. It's story time. (laughs) (laughs) After uh, Anakin uh, proclaims that the Jedi are are selfless and they only care about others and the the audience applauds, kind of, uh, for the the ballet, uh, then Palpatine lets Anakin just sit there and simmer (laughs) for nine whole seconds Mm. uh, before Palpatine asks the big question. Did you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Uh, so let's just talk about that. That one sentence. Why is that so powerful? Is it the sudden idea that we're going to hear a, a story within the story of Star Wars? Is it the story time of it? Is it hearing another Darth's name? Is it wondering if what we're about to hear is true? Why is that moment just by itself, Palpatine dangling the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise, so interesting to so many people? I, I think you're touching on some out of story stuff that I, I gravitated to back in 05 and, and still do. And, and it is the, I just remember him because you're right there. There's nine seconds is an eternity on screen when you're sitting in a the theater watching this. And when he starts, when he literally says Darth Plagueis wise, I remember in the theater the first time being like, wait, what? Who, you know, because, you know, you, you know, again, you know some of the histories, you know, not even if you don't know the names, but, you know, you know, Darth, you know, Darth Vader and Darth Sidious aren't the only ones, you, Darth Tyrannus and everything, Darth Maul. So by this point, you, but, but you're like, you're starting to some lore, that lore, that juicy lore we love. So I, I think I, that's another reason why we love this scene. Um, Lucino's book is great. We know it's not canon and all that kind of stuff we can talk about another time. But as far as there's some outside the story stuff. Um, but then you're talking, you're asking, you know, I wonder if it's true and, and, and why it's important. I love that Palpatine frames this guy because I do choose to believe it is his master. Right. But he frames mm-hmm. it as this tragedy and this legend. Oh, it's a Sith legend. You just, they, uh, oh, they, oh, the Jedi didn't teach you that. <laughs> oh, well, let me tell you the tragedy. So it just, it's juicy in the, in a, in a, in a great in-story way too. And I just, I love, I love that moment. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think kind of whatever age you are, whenever you see this, uh, you know, if it's new to you, you it's exciting because you think you're going to learn some some lore of Star Wars and you maybe do. I think there's also something you don't even have to be analytical about it. Star Wars is so story time, you know, starting with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It, it, it you know, evokes myths and like these ancient stories that we tell ourselves to learn more about ourselves. You don't even have to be analytical. To, you don't even have to think that in order to feel it. And then within a story like that, you get like this so feels like, you know, he's evil. uh, But this feels like a grandpa or grandma sitting down like, do you know about the car crash of 68? And you're like, ooh, what happened in the past? And what am I going to learn from it? And this is story time. It's just something that's just got a hook to it, you know? Oh, yeah. And again, just the casual like, (laughs) 
That's right. I, I forget. The Jedi don't give you the whole picture. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Anakin. Let me tell you this. Stuff. Like it's, it's just played perfectly. Yeah, yeah. And I love what you're saying of, you know, now with all of the canon that we know of, you know, yeah, the, the Darth Plagueis novel, which is not fully canon, but it has been uh, recanonized in the Tarkin novel that, yep, Plagueis is Sidious's master. So this is, he's lying, right? There, there isn't a tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise. You murdered your mentor and gave it a title. <laughs> it's a total, I mean, the events, it's debatable whether or not they're a lie. We, we kind of, I think most people kind of assume that they are uh, true in, in the Star Wars story. But talk mm -hmm. about being an unreliable narrator, right? I mean, like, that's like you trip the other day and then the next day you're like, have you ever heard the legend of the sidewalk accident? Like, no, you just tripped yesterday. Yeah. Well, hey, look, Ahsoka herself says in uh, Rebels, my part, of my part of my Rebels rewatch, there's always some truth in legends, uh, winking and on to a lot of different uh, fans there, but I think to the story itself. And so for, uh, for Palpatine to be able to phrase this as ancient history that we all just know, and then there's this dark truth buried in it. It's, it's just a, it's just, it's fun as well as uh, an evil man can be in Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why even people who love the prequels and grew up with them, you know, this is a meme moment, you know, because it, it, there is something extremely meaningful and also extremely fun about it. Uh, as you were saying, Anakin says, no, he has not heard this story. And uh, Palpatine says, no, I thought not. It's not a story <laughs> the Jedi would tell you. Why is this such an effective twisting of the knife to Anakin in this moment? Because it is, uh, yeah, just on the surface level, oh, this is for the Jedi, they're not giving you the full picture. Two, you don't have all the knowledge you think you do, so you do need my help. Let me fill you in the details. There's also something, it's unsettling if you've believed something or believe what you've been told or believe what you thought you've learned or thought, well, just believe what you think of and what you feel you have a handle on. And for someone to come along and be like, oh, no, 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 let me give you the whole picture. It puts you again on that shaky ground of of is there, is things about my life or who I am or is it a lie? Like it, it puts you in a scary spot, but also Palpatine's not phrasing it in this like you dummy. It's just in the way. Oh, don't don't worry. I got your back. Let me help you. Yeah, exactly. I think you point out a really great thing that I hadn't thought about. We start out the this scene, I think, by Palpatine wanting to make Anakin feel special of mm -hmm. I'm giving this important war ending information to only you at this special location before I tell anybody else. And of course, you should be the one to go. So he's building him up and building him up. And then he's kind of sucker punches him with this. Oh, you're actually kind of an ignorant child. There's a ton of things that you don't know. And uh, I bet that makes you kind of feel uncomfortable and you liked it better when I made you feel important. And oh, by the way, the reason that you feel suddenly ignorant and out of control, the exact thing you don't want to be, is because the Jedi have not only stopped you from using the full potential of your power, there's a bunch of other stuff they haven't told you about, including innocent stories. that you think you're such a child, there are even stories that everybody else knows that you don't because they're holding you back. Yep. You're, n you're never going to really realize your full potential if you don't know the whole story, Anakin. Yeah, it's just, it's Ooh. such a great twist in the knife. And I love that you point out, too, that he's like, no, I thought not. You know, it's not like he's shocked. It's like, yeah, well, of course, of course. Those controlling parents of yours, uh, you know, don't let you watch R-rated movies. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't know the truth. Uh, you don't know the truth. You've never seen Goodfellas, so well, I guess you're <laughs> ignorant. Uh, 
Then uh, Palpatine continues, it's a Sith legend. Darth Plagueis was a dark lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise, he could use the Force to influence the midi-chlorians to create life. Uh, did you interpret this back in the day as Anakin's origin story, and what do you think now? Uh, I did. I still do. And I know, uh, don't, everyone, do not rush to that comic, that quote, the Vader comic, that quote-unquote confirmed this. It, 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 many in Lucasfilm said, hey, it, it's, just a, it's just a part of the story because Obi-Wan's also in there and that vision that Anakin has. So uh, not 100% confirmation, but I, I still lean towards it. It just makes sense uh, going from Shmi and Qui-Gon's conversation to now three movies later, just the look on McDermott's face as he plays it. It is definitely... I've always taken as that, and and I still do. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it is uh, amazing how much from such a simple thing with with the hell of a delivery from uh, Ian McDermott uh, and not being subtle in that moment. Um, that uh, a lot of people was like, oh, of course, this is the answer to this question that was raised in Phantom Menace that mm-hmm. Shmi doesn't know how this happened. Uh, it just did. Uh, that this is feels like the answer, and I love it from a, a point of manipulation. What we were just talking about the setting up the story is there's so much you don't know. In fact, uh, maybe the story has to do with why you exist. Is uh, it suddenly makes it really, really uh, personal, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I like I like the ambiguity. I like the that mm-hmm. there's that we can interpret it as like, yeah, this is the story of Anakin's. Um, his creation but there's still so much we don't know within that it feels like it's giving anakin and the audience lots of information but it's also not it's leaving a lot open to interpretation and again yes the darth Plagueis novel uh by james lucino is great uh, and it makes this uh, some of this stuff crystal clear it's not currently canon the anakin uh comic the darth vader comic book is is uh, vader anakin having a vision so all, all he's doing is taking this bit of information this half truth or maybe full truth in spinning it out and imagining and wondering what is the full truth and having a vision of, is that the full truth? Um, So, and I kind of like that. It's something that's like, those are a lot of pieces of the puzzle for us to put together, but they're not being fully put together. Yeah. Well, another thing, an in-story thing here too, because again, because is it Plagueis that did it? Is it, is it Palpatine who learned everything from his master that did it? Is is it someone else? Because if you're also telling me if I'm Anakin and you're like, Oh, a Sith legend. And I'm thinking what, 50, 100, 1,000 years ago. Um, yeah, not like 20 yeah, years ago. <laughs> 20 years ago. Also, if Anakin is aware, I have to assume at some point, did Shmi have a really awkward conversation with him? Anakin, uh, you you don't have a dad because you just suddenly appeared. Uh, if, if he has any bit of, of, of his own origin story in his head with that big question too, in that moment too, he doesn't address it. He doesn't just go, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop that's how I came to be, you know, like he doesn't have that moment, but now that's in his head of just, Oh man, what else do I, maybe the Jedi didn't tell me that I was created by a Sith or some power, not even a Sith, but some power to save life and create life that that exists. And I'm part of that. And they kept that from me. Now he's just even more confused and and dazed and upset. Yeah. And and, then this goes to everything that, you know, uh, Filoni said in that great speech in in Disney Gallery about how much the absence of the father figure is a part of Anakin's story that he never had a father. Uh, A father doesn't exist. Uh, It looked like Qui-Gon was going to step in and be a really wonderful, uh, loving, supportive father who thought Anakin was great and should follow his instincts and use his powers. Uh, And then Qui-Gon's gone and Obi-Wan has let him down. And here's uh, this... uh, 
this person, Palpatine, a mentor and a friend, uh, basically kind of dangling, like, not only am I a father figure, but I might have answers about that vacuum that you've already always felt in your life is another, you know, level of manipulation. Yeah. Yeah, because... to my knowledge, again, that Vader comic, which is a vision notwithstanding, there's no other moments in modern canon where they've ever had a conversation while they're fighting, you know, because Vader and Palpatine always kind of secretly uh, hating each other, right? There's Sith never bickering, yeah. Sith, Sith Um, There's never been, because they can't, no author can confirm it. It's not been confirmed yet, so they can't rely on that. They can't rely on Palpatine being like, you know, I created you. I could take you away, you know, that kind of thing, anything. <laughs> or my boss, my old boss did that. You know, there's nothing. There's a feeling of it. And it's an aura that hangs over it. So that's why I love this moment even more. I still love that we, I maybe hope I one day want the, you know, clear cut, clear day answer in modern canon, maybe, but I'm also fine with this of just being in Anakin's shoes in this moment of just being like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. What does that mean? Oh, don't worry about it. Move on. But what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. And and, and I love that you're saying how much it's tied up with. Uh, it sounds like he's telling an ancient parable that everybody knows uh, that the Jedi didn't let you hear. But then also, like, does this relate to, you know, your, your relatively recent existence in this galaxy is, is another great layer. And it's all coming from Palpatine and he you kind of have to look at Palpatine as a bit of an unreliable narrator because he's going to say whatever he needs to to manipulate people it's just great great amount of layers and I think it is moments like this that sometimes Lucas is really clear he wants to give answers but Filoni has been saying so much uh recently in in behind the scenes things of like uh, some things are open for interpretation and I like that and I want that and I think this is an an example of uh, Lucas as the mentor saying like if you want an answer you can absolutely get an answer from this but if you want to keep an open mind, there's a lot of unanswered parts of this as well. Yeah. So after that, a great line and great manipulation, uh, Palpatine continues. Uh, he, meaning Darth Plagueis, had such a knowledge of the dark side, he could even keep the ones he cared about from dying. Is this <laughs> delivery dancing on the edge of too much? Or is it is it good because Palpatine is driving home the, the killing blow here? It is too much in the best of ways. <laughs> Just give me more. Give me more over-the-top vaudevillian gothic villain acting. I love it. And in terms of the story, I think this is where the scene, again, only four minutes long, I think this is where Anakin now is out of the conversation. He's in his head. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't even know how much he's actually listening. He, he is listening because of his next response, but... So I think Palpatine really needs to be winky, winky, nudge, nudge here. I think, and it works so well for me. Yeah, he went, he's taken Anakin from, you know, practical concerns about the war and whose responsibility it should be to Grievous to philosophical ideas about whether the Jedi and the Sith are the same and what do they actually believe to now like, oh, who are you? Where did you come from? Can you save your wife? And he is, he is lost in his own head. Yeah. I, 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 it is a tradition of Palpatine that even in this beautifully acted scene that this is slightly over the top is, is perfect uh, for me because I, as Palpatine knows what he's saying. And the way I think of this scene uh, is like um, he's been working on Anakin in many ways for many years, including all the events of the Clone Wars. And like inviting him here was like inviting him into the pool. And this is uh, where he's going to put the hook in, in Anakin's mouth uh, for a fishing analogy. And I think this line is like where he dangles the the lure, right? And, yeah. and he knows that's actively, actively what I'm doing is he's going to hook him in this scene and the rest of the movie is him reeling him in, right? 
But this yeah. is where the hook goes in the mouth in this exact line of, you know, uh, he could even keep the ones he cared about from dying is flashing that shiny, shiny lure in mm. Anakin's face. Yep. Yep. Kill and blow. Yep. Yep. Uh, Killing blow, dangling the hook lure. Uh, Anakin <laughs> asks, uh, he, he takes the bait. He says, uh, he could actually save people from death. And Palpatine replies, the dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. We, of course, love this line. But how does it fit in with Palpatine's manipulation of Anakin in this moment, in this scene? How does it fit in? I, I think... I, I, I've always, I've always debated with how much Palpatine knows. We know he knows the dreams. We know he knows Padme's his wife, but what specific, what specifics are there? What did he cause? I'm, I'm always fascinated with meticulous planning by Palpatine and how much of it is like, okay, that went that way. We'll go this way. Uh, I, I'm fascinated with that. So I think, I, I think he knows this is the core of Anakin's problems going back to the beginning, being yanked away from his mother, losing his mother. And, ooh, goody, now he's found love. Uh, this is where I can get him. And I, I just think it's it's that's the core of, of everything Palpatine's doing goes to this moment. It's It's why, in the end, years later, awkward no scream and Frankenstein monster walk with Vader that we all had a problem with back in 05 or a lot of people did. I, I still think it does come down to sorry to like, I used to, I used to be upset uh, in conversations again, glad I didn't have a podcast in 2005 <laughs> where I'd be like, you got James Earl Jones and you got Hayden in the, in, in the Vader costume and, and his line of dialogue is what happened to Padme. I used to be really upset about that. Wow. Really upset. And th it goes back, remember the other couple episodes ago and some other stuff we were talking about where I was like, I don't know what my thought of Vader's fall was going to be because obviously I knew what was going to happen. But I, I, I guess I thought it was going to be some sort of weird victory that I'd be rooting for. Instead, it is a somewhat pathetic, cowardly base level fall that connects to something that I can understand, fear of losing someone, fear of, of lack of control. Cause I, I, you know, that's a big mm -hmm. thing for all of us left. So anyway, you know what I mean? So all of that, all of that makes more sense. And it comes out of this scene. Now the end scene makes a lot more sense to me now and a lot more powerful now, because as you and I have talked about, I think you've said it even, even more, uh, you know, with a finer point and a lot of eloquence of just like you did all that. And now you're trapped in this prison prison. And the one you did this for is still dead. And you might have even caused it by your desperation to stop it from happening. Oops-a-daisy. Hee-hee-hee. Palpatine's grinning like Mr. Burns next to you. So now this moment to talk about you asking, you know, how does it fit in with Palpatine's manipulation? I think it it is the manipulation. I am the Senate. I am the manipulation. This is the moment for me. Interesting. Yeah, no, I love what you're saying. That that on in some ways this, this whole dance is as simple as... Anakin is a loving person who doesn't want to lose people. He's not getting good guidance from, uh, I mean, Yoda gives him good advice, but it doesn't connect emotionally uh, to Anakin. It's not what he needs to hear. And then Palpatine just uh, is pulling on that string. Um, and, and I love that he's, he's pulling on it so directly by just kind of dangling that, hey, here's this power uh, that, you know, this long ago Sith allegedly had that he could stop people from dying. And once he's got Anakin so hooked, he, he kind of dances it a step farther, right? Of saying, 
Yeah. The dark side of the forest is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. So he's exposed Anakin's um, weaknesses and, and pain and fear, uh, all legitimate, relatable pains and fears so far to the point where he can start to now say like, well, a thing that you would normally just have an instinctive reaction to say, no, the dark side is unacceptable. The dark side, it's, I, I understand it's, it's bad. It's painful. It causes pain. Now he's got that little bit of crack open that he can start to go, well, maybe consider that the dark side is just a, a pathway to yeah. doing things that, you know, the Jedi won't teach you or let you do, you know, yeah. maybe it's just a skill set that uh, these other people, uh, these Jedi, you know, the ones who kept you from your mom and, you know, don't want you to be married to Padme. Maybe those people who are already controlling you and judging you and uh, withholding power from you. Maybe it's just a different skill set that they don't think you can handle. Mm. Uh, it, mm. And it's so powerful that like from the outside as an audience, like the dark side of the force is a pathway to abil many abilities some consider to be unnatural. That, that sounds bad. <laughs> and we all feel like, yeah, a hero should be able to hear how that's not great. Um, yeah. But that, that sum is so powerful. You know, when he says the pathway yeah. to many abilities, some, mm. just some, it just means the Jedi, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Jedi don't think you can handle this other information, this different perspective, because they are yeah. hypocrites who are holding you back. Well, and look, just 10, actually about, get the time code, about 14, 15 minutes earlier in the film, in the story, Yoda and you and I talked about this in a recent uh, Force Center. I think it was a fan question that coming in. Just Yoda's telling Anakin, "No, no, no! Don't miss these people. Let them go. Let them go." And 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 what a what a just a difference, right? <laughs> in tone and feel, it's similar to me. This uh, the look of Luke's death of peace and purpose and letting go and 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 moving on to the next plane of existence, whatever that is for the Jedi and everything. It is, it's painful and everything, but he's, he's letting go and it's, and it's serene. And again, great purpose to Palpatine and his final death as Ray melts his face off. <laughs> that, that's the Sith, man. And that's the light side. That's the dark side. That's what we're dealing with. Look at these two scenes. Go 14, 15 minutes earlier. Just Yoda like, okay, you're troubled. Great. This is, we're, this is not good, but you have to learn to let these go. It's a circle of life, port of life. And, and don't miss them. Don't grieve for them. And that doesn't work. For Anakin doesn't work for a lot of us. That's 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 hard to hear. Yeah, yeah, no, and and I've wrestled with that scene, and and I I mm. have come around to to it in lots of ways. I feel like I feel like ultimately Yoda's advice is good, healthy advice. You know, uh, celebrate uh, the people you've loved and and celebrate their life because it's it's their life, and and don't try to control them. And you know, well, they can't leave because what what's that going to do to me? And, and making it all about yourself, and you know, what is that going to open up in you? And all, all these great things that, that we've discussed, but there's still that like that's not what Anakin needed to hear, or at least not in that way. You know, he needed right. much more. Like I understand how you how you feel, and let's you know you know let's figure out how we can look at it in different ways that are going to help you. And like in Yoda's, just like no, here's here's the Jedi pamphlet. Here's you, you've been training. Here's what you should believe. Here's what you should understand. Right. Take great care. And it's all about caution. It's all about being, you know, mm -hmm. in control. And, and yeah, and Sidious is offering the exact opposite of like, no, don't give up control. You can stop this. Yeah. And, if, and, and sorry to you, to your point of just like, and there is a X and L1 button you can press to get superpowers. <laughs> They're not giving you the cheat code. Yeah. Yes. Great. Yeah. Absolutely. And it allows him to start to go down this path of literally saying, yeah, it's the dark side. It might be unnatural, but come on, what's the problem? Yeah. Um, 
So then uh, Anakin asks uh, Palpatine to really finish story time and says, <laughs> what happened to him? Uh, and Palpatine responds, uh, well, he, again, meaning Darth Plagueis, became so powerful, the only thing he was afraid of losing was, uh, the, only thing, the only thing he was afraid of was losing his power, which eventually, of course, he did. Unfortunately, he taught his apprentice everything he knew. Then his apprentice killed him in his sleep. So at this point in the story, the the legend, the tragedy of Darth Plagueis, how does relating back to that fear of losing power help Palpatine's manipulation? Because earlier he'd been really making the argument of, look, everybody is afraid of losing power, including the Jedi. And ostensibly that's why he's telling Anakin this story about somebody else who who's was all about this fear of losing power. Mm. Mm. Trying to see where it lands for me here. Um, where do you, where do you go with take me, take me down this path. I want to know. I think it is a subtle way to reinforce Anakin's fear. Um, mm. I think the, the argument about the Jedi, you know, want power too has, you know, sort of, uh, practical implications of just, you know, changing Anakin's mind about what is literally going on. I think it's a, a viewpoint that Palpatine, you know, legitimately has that everybody wants power and, and this this goodness that the Jedi claim to have is, is a, a lie. They're just repressing their truth. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot going on with it, but I think he also knows, like you and I were just talking about, that the core issue of Anakin is this uh, fear of losing the people he loves in that if Anakin doesn't have power, it will mean death. The mm-hmm. loss of power is death. So, mm-hmm. you know, Yoda saying, it's okay, just let go, um, is on one side of it for Anakin. But by Palpatine coming back to uh, Plagueis, also feared losing his power. And look what happened to him. He did. He wasn't prepared enough he got slaughtered in his sleep. Feels a little bit like, hey, whatever you're afraid of happening, if you don't have power, Anakin, that's gonna happen. That's gonna that's happen. the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise. You know, gotcha. it, everybody fears losing power, and uh, if you don't find a way to hold on to your power, all of the bad things will happen. Mm-hmm. It feels like a little bit of saying, like, you know, whatever you're afraid of, if you don't have power, it's gonna happen, just like it did to Plagueis. And I, and I love. The specific point that you said is just like, if you don't learn to hold on to it, we all want to hold on to it, but if you don't learn to, this is what happens, which also could tie into Palpatine and his view of, uh, I got this rule of two eh, rule of me. Yeah. Yeah. No. And he is the one who figures out like, yeah, this fool didn't even understand his lessons uh, as well as he should have. Now I have that power and I'm only going to collect more and more power and I'm going to shout about it (laughs) in just a little while. Uh, And then, of course, we have another classic line as Palpatine uh, dives more into this idea of how uh, Plagueis did, of course, lose the power that he feared losing. Uh, Palpatine says it's ironic. He could save others from death, but not himself. Uh, is this line, the way it's read, the way it feels so personal, is, is this the line that made everyone feel, even before we had a novel in 2012, that this was actually a personal story and it didn't happen a long time ago? Like, everything else suggests that this happened a long time ago, potentially. Maybe you could argue that with the midi coins creating life, maybe, maybe this is a more recent story. But this line 
I think made a lot of people feel whenever you saw it, it was like, oh, he's talking about his master and he is reliving killing him. Yeah, there's also, there's also a great tone shift. He's got so many great tone shifts in his voice, but right, this one, he gets, it gets a little guttural. Like, Emperor's <laughs> coming out. It's erotic. He gets a little sidious in his throat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that's, again, yeah, just, he's the best. So, yeah, this, to me, at this point, this is, this is a weird example, but, like, I don't know. Uh, my girlfriend, Grace, is so great at marketing podcasts and all this, you know, and she's got her own podcast, Think Piece and everything. I'll sometimes be in a room and she'll be, I'll be like, what are you doing? And she'll be like, oh, it's, it's this thing and it's a format and you a template and she's describing it. But in my head, I'm like, where do I learn this power for four? <laughs> and she'll turn to me at the end and I'll just be like, huh, what? Oh, yeah. No, that looks great. What's the link? Uh, I think at this point in the scene, you got Anakin in his head going, wait a minute. Okay, wait, he could save people from death? Well, what happened to him? What happened to him? He did die. Okay, that's not good. Uh, and, and, and then Palpatine's on his own journey going, and then I stabbed him. I walked into his room. I caught him off guard. And he's just reliving it and relishing it. It's, yeah. To, to throw all the deep theme, themes out of this part of it, I just always love I always taken it and and I would almost be disappointed if there was some canon confirmation of no, no, Plagueis was 2000 years ago and Palpatine killed a uh, good old uh, Bob, Bob murder man. Like, <laughs> you know, I'd be like, well, no, because it just, it is especially ironic. He's, he's biting his lip on a level with Poe Dameron of just like reliving every second, just in his head. He's like, unlimited power. I can't wait to say that at some point. And I love this part of the scene. Yeah, there's monologue. <laughs> oh, no, I, I could listen to that monologue forever. I, I learned a lot about uh, <laughs> uh, how you think about podcast powers uh, and, and great insights. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought of it that way of uh, there's so many moments, I think, in Revenge of the Sith where uh, Palpatine has been waiting for these moments as these final steps lock into place for him for so long. I think there's a part of him that's enjoying this. Of he he's got Anakin right where he wants him. He is laying out this argument. Anakin pushes back a little bit by trying to cling to the lessons of the Jedi and the lessons of his mom. But uh, Palpatine is blowing past that. He's he, I think he's having fun, but he's working hard. And you're right. He's got Anakin thinking exactly what he wants him to. Of uh, oh my, I, I'm not thinking about any philosophical argument i'm just thinking about padme 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 can i get that power it doesn't matter where it came from padme 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 can i get that power and while anakin is spinning like a top <laughs> palpatine takes a moment for himself to just go i killed him the idiot i stabbed him all that work and i stabbed him while he was sleeping and it was great <laughs> yeah because it's like anakin's next question isn't like well, okay. Well, how did he die? Like, when did this happen? Did they? It, he's so in his head. Wait, I can use Mailchimp to promote my podcast. <laughs> yeah, good, yeah. And I think you know, there's there's so much going on there here with you know how much of what uh, Palpatine is saying is true. Of uh, obviously, we believe the midi chlorine to influence to create life is true. Um, mm -hmm. uh, eventually, Palpatine discovers this ability that we learn from the Rise of Skywalker novelization to. Uh, throw his own uh, consciousness to a clone and and preserve his own life and defeat death uh, for himself in that way. We know there's a lot going on. We don't know for sure if if there is this power that he's alleging to Anakin of uh, this ability to save others. Um, so there's all this stuff floating around. But but what's in this moment for sure is they were definitely Plagueis and Sidious were definitely working together 
to look into all of these different unnatural powers of manipulating life and clinging to it uh, past its natural time. And Palpatine is just eating up the fact that you idiot, you spent all this time building power, fearing losing it, playing around with different ways to manipulate life, to create life, to save people. And I put my lightsaber through your stupid (laughs) chest, your stupid head, your stupid eye, wherever he put it (laughs) while you were sleeping. What an idiot who lost sight of the big picture. I'm awesome. I don't lose sight of the big picture. Nothing like that's happening to me, you know? I want a shirt now that just says, I'm awesome, Sheev Palpatine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, this is off, perhaps off topic, but you and I love to just discussing Palpatine. If you guys haven't listened to our Star Wars ranked uh, best Palpatine line moments from a couple weeks ago, please check it out. This is why I love the unlimited power moment because he is, uh, I'm not rooting for the guy here, but he has achieved in this moment what everyone in the history of this galaxy has wanted, and he got it unlimited power he's in a weird way again not rooting for him he's earned that glee (laughs) oh oh yeah yeah i mean and we know the history of the or the way of the sith that the in order to to stew them in the powers of the dark side they are tortured by their masters right so like they desire to kill him out of vengeance because that's the way the dark side should be so who knows what plague has put him through right and he's just relishing it i took Mm. that old fool out uh, and we are right toward the end of the scene after uh, Anakin stews for a little while and uh, <laughs> Insidious gets to enjoy his moment reflecting on murdering his master. Anakin finally says, is it possible to learn this power? And Palpatine answers, not from a Jedi. What do you think happens next if the scene continues? Oh, man, I... Uh... Great stuff, George. Just give me two more seconds, right? Um, <laughs> no, I don't think, I don't think, because would we go a little bit later is, uh, right, uh, let me make sure my running order is correct, is the Anakin use my power, I beg of you. Yeah, he reveals himself later. Yeah, right. So I th- Palpatine knows now is not the time. He has really laid it down. So I, I don't know. I think, it, it, you know, uh, it's possible to learn his power, not from a Jedi. I think I think Anakin might even do a little bit of a fighting back. I think it might be a little bit of a oh, duh, well, I don't know, it doesn't sound good. I I, I just think there's a lot of stewing. <laughs> you yeah. start simmering and stewing. I think I think Palpatine, that's his that's his checkmate move right there. And he knows now's not the time. He knows I think he knows he has to get at least in this moment. Again, later on he's directly begging him, please, Anakin, use my power. I just I'm just trying to help. I, I think he knows he can't force it on him here. He has to have it has to crack a little bit more. The egg, the egg's not ready to crack here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I think the scene, the scene ends brilliantly, right? Because Palpatine is done, and this is Palpatine's scene. He is driving, and he got the uh, achievement that that he wanted uh, to have Anakin really start to seriously consider this and not be able to think anything else. That hook is in his mouth, and that's going to color every decision he makes going forward. Everything that happens to him. So yeah. you know, Palpatine's like mission accomplished. I would imagine he just falls into silence, or maybe maybe even changes the conversation to something really just pedestrian of just like yeah. he, he hits that red screen to order some chips, you know? <laughs> yeah. do, do you want chips? Yeah. I think, I think if, if he says anything, he might be like, there might be a big pause and like, um, I don't know. I guess you need to find someone who knows the ways of the Sith. I don't know. Anyways, uh, are you hungry? I, I absolutely. I think that's right. 
Yeah, Masamita po- pokes his head back in with some space popcorn. I think, yeah. And and yeah. I yelled at the clerk. I got a free <laughs> one. Um, so I want to talk. We've, we've talked about a lot of different arguments that Palpatine makes. Uh, if it's okay with you, I would love to summarize what I think. Like the actual whole arc of his argument is, and then get get your thoughts of see if you agree. Have a different a different take on it. Please, please do. So. I think this scene is incredibly well written and I think like Palpatine's argument can be broken down the same way like professional uh, uh, orators can can break down what is a goal of a speech and how is it accomplished. Um, I think he starts out with this idea that the uh, war could come to an end, which is, of course, what we want. And the thing to make that happen is for you, Anakin, to go and do it and use your power because you're so powerful and you are absolutely the one who has the power to end this war, I would worry about the Jedi's judgment if they didn't see that you should use your power. Uh, And then he transitions into this comparison of the Jedi and the Sith that, well, the Jedi, I know you're frustrated with them. Uh, They're holding you back uh, from using your power, which upsets you, but also they're uh, they're hypocrites. They just want power too. The Jedi and the Sith are exactly the same. So since what you need to do is be unleashed from the Jedi and use your power, why not just use some of the Sith power? Because I've just laid it out to you that it's just a power. The Jedi and the Sith are no different. They want the same things. They use the same tools. The Jedi hold you back from this other set of tools why don't you just go use one of these Sith tools because the things that are most important to you are you don't want your power to be held back. You could use that power to save people. The Jedi won't let you. Well, here's a Sith uh, tool to do it. No problem. There's really nothing to feel bad about Mm. because the Jedi and the Sith are just the same. Yeah, yeah. I love. Yep. No, that's 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 a that's a winner winner chicken dinner right there, and <laughs> which is probably what Masamita came back with. Yeah, I love it because you know uh, it's, it's a pathway to powers that some would consider to be unnatural, and and we take it. I don't know. It's a gothic horror story that we see again in episode nine. But you know who's unnatural? Anakin. Everything about him is unnatural, including his skills, his skills with the Force, where he came from. And I got to imagine this whole speech was just like Anakin. You are one unnatural superstar. You got to tap into the power and they're not letting you do it. And once you do, all your dreams will come true, including the silly war. Yeah, absolutely. Well yeah. said. And, and along the way, he just, he removes rhetorically all the things that uh, Anakin would use to resist. Uh, mm-hmm. But the Sith are bad. Like, well, are they? No, they're not. Oh, using power is selfish. Well, you know, the Jedi do it too. And what would you use that power for? Saving the ones you love. What's wrong with that? <laughs> you know? So he uh, removes like kind of one by one yeah. all of the things that Anakin would normally use to go, wait, let me let me question this. Let me compare it to my Jedi teaching. Let me compare it to uh, my mom's teaching. And he just creates this just great um, selection of, of lies for Anakin to tell himself to the yeah. point where he Anakin is willing to do things that he has to know are, are wrong in yeah. order to do this. But this whole scene is getting that hook in, getting rid of any obstacles and real, real, real. 
I, I hear that Yoda guy says you should just let people die. Not even miss them. Yeah. It's horrible. How is that selfless? That's awful. They're supposed to be the good guys? That That's the good guy's mantra? Let people die? Liars? Hypocrites? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, any other moments or ideas you wanted to discuss in this scene? No, we hit them. We hit them all. We hit the deep themes. We hit the what I really love about, uh, you know, being a Star Wars fan on this, uh, you know, this kind of uh, a certain book level of the bookshelf where <laughs> we just live and breathe this and Get a get a, a good old giddy feeling discussing it. I love even down to Masameda's uh, the subplot of him being uh, unhappy with the help. There's so much in the scene that I love. Thank you for the discussion. Number one, two, Joseph, but just yes, there's we hit all of it because this is if you're a Star Wars fan, man. On you know when it's in your heart this much, you you have asked these questions too. What the hell is Squid Lake? Uh, what are they doing there? Uh, who's running? Why are they all running late to the opera? Why is Cha- Chairman Papanote just sitting out there? Get to your box seats. There's all those levels of discussion down to what is perhaps the core of Revenge of the Sith is this scene and perhaps the story of Vader or at least the fall. And I love it. Yep. Yep. Uh, Just great. uh, Absolutely great manipulation by Palpatine. Uh, You can still be in the right. The government will still stand. You can be uh, legitimate and you can have power and you can save the ones you love. Maybe some consider it to be unnatural, but no problem. And all of it told with great acting, great writing. And uh, only other little detail I I like is that I I do like the way it is shot. I mean, it certainly does Mm. cut back and forth from farther shots and close ups, but I love that it is it builds, it builds, it builds. We get like pretty tight, intimate close ups by the time, you know, old Sheev is going, it's ironic. Uh, So I think that uh, the way it is shot gives it a lot of great power as well. Final question for you, Ken. If you could sit in an opera box with Palpatine, what story would you ask him to tell you? <laughs> First of all, I'd be questioning why I'm there. I'd be like <laughs> a good senator friend, like, okay, I'm out. Um, what is Palpatine? What story? I, 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 I think, I think I'd like to know a little bit about, you know, Sheev. What did, uh, what'd you do as a kid? <laughs> I wouldn't want some legend. I want to know. I want to know who Sheev was on the fields of Naboo running around. I want to, I want him to share what he, what he was like. Yeah. Yeah. I, Cause I love that. I, I love that. Sheev is the big bad. He is the, you know, ultimate Sith of the Skywalker saga. But to me, the Skywalker saga and all of star Wars is such a human story. I think that something happened to him. He feared something and that fear opened uh, up the dark side to him and he went running in. So I don't mm-hmm. think the conversation would go well, but I think I'd ask no. him like, Hey, when you were a kid, what kind of things were you scared of? And he probably just electrocute me and throw me out of the box right then. But <laughs> yes. I'd try. I would try. <laughs> yeah. Either that or why did you invite sweet Concord kill to the box? Was it, was it just to make him miserable? Is that what you were doing? Yeah. Make, yeah. 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 Force him to sit around me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> So a great conversation, great insights, Ken, is, is so fun as always uh, to spend a deep dive time talking about uh, Palpatine and Star Wars. Uh, do you want to tell people where they can find all our stuff? I absolutely do. You want to join the conversation or just follow along and keep up to date with what we're doing? Go to Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center. Like our Facebook page, Force Center Podcast. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Podcasts available in a lot of different spots, including Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. We have merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash 4Center. 
And at patreon.com slash center is where you can go and decide if you'd like to support us through that website. But as always, we say a good support is liking, reviewing, uh, rating, and just telling a friend about Force Center. we got our own things going on. You can go to catnapsluck.com for that. I've got a comedy show coming up, a virtual comedy show live from the Viper Room in Sunset Strip area of Hollywood. Well, West Hollywood to be specific. Uh, that is with Mark Ellis and friends. Tickets are available. MarkEllisLive.net. Show is September 5th, 7 p.m. Joseph, what do you got? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all my other comedy adventures, uh, my other podcast, Obsessed, that I'm doing with my wife, Sarah Scrimshaw, and comedy albums and all sorts of great stuff. But for now, that is it for us, for myself, for Ken, for poor Anakin, for a sweet Concord kill, and for Sheev Palpatine himself. We are going to leave you. 